0: You know, it's a common uh, saying um, among um, those that, that survey the population uh, about uh, religion. When they ask a number of folks, uh, a lot of folks will say, "You know, I don't like religion, um, but I I like Jesus." Um, and. As I considered that and read our passage in Amos today, recognized that there's a way in which God doesn't like religion either. He doesn't like the the practices of religious people that don't fulfill His purposes. Maybe a better title for the, the sermon and for the topic would have been, God doesn't like empty religion either. Um... God doesn't like Christianity that is self-focused instead of God-focused and other-focused. The very purpose of everything that the, the church of Jesus Christ does is to transform its participants. It's to change me and you so that we are fulfilling the great commandment to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourself. And if what we're doing doesn't fulfill those divine purposes, then in our language of the day, it's an epic fail. It would be better for us not to do it than to do it. And that's what I think God tells Amos... To tell Israel to speak to us about uh, today. Invite you to turn with me to Amos chapter 5. Starting with verse 18. It's found on page 747 in your pew Bible. If you want to follow along there or you can follow along on the screen. Remind you that Amos is a prophet. He was a shepherd. He was a sycamore tree farmer. He was just hanging out in the pastures and the orchards. And God spoke to him and said, I need you to go speak to the, the leaders of my people. I need you to go speak to the kings. I need you to go correct all the, the professional prophets of the day because you're the one that can speak my word and correct them at this time. And that's what this collection is where it tells that story and presents um, Amos uh, words. That God told him to tell Israel. Yeah, and if you've been following along with us, you're like, man, I'm glad God didn't give me that job. If nothing more, you'll appreciate the job you do have, knowing that this is what Amos was called to do because his words were filled with correction. And my experience uh, with me is, I don't take correction well, and I haven't met many people that do. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for your written word that does speak to us, your truth, that does correct us when we are mistaken, that prevents us from going down a path that doesn't lead to you, that that corrects our misperceptions of you, that renews our mind. So we ask now that as you were speaking through Amos then, that you would speak through him to us today. Help us to hear and receive and apply in our lives. For your glory and your honor, we pray. Amen. Amos chapter 5, starting with verse 18. Hear the word of the Lord. Alas, for you who desire the day of the Lord... Why do you want the day of the Lord? It is darkness, not light. As if someone fled from a lion and was met by a bear. Or went into the house and rested a hand against the wall and was bitten by a snake. Is not the day of the Lord darkness, not light? And gloom with no brightness in it? I hate... and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Did you bring to me sacrifices and offerings the forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You shall take up Sackath, your king, and Kawan, your star god, your images which you made for yourselves. Therefore, I take you into exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Amos brings a word of correction to the people of God of that day. That should happen every time we gather around the scriptures. Because the one thing I do know for sure today is that I, nor do any of you, have a perfect understanding of God. In every one of us, there are wrong ideas and wrong thinkings about God that God needs to correct, needs to expand, needs to, to change within us. That's just who we are in our own human frailty before an almighty, powerful God. God's chosen people in that day had it wrong. And God was not happy because of their disobedience. See, their focus was upon themselves. They were using the religious practices that God had given them. Now, you know, get this, you know, the, what God says later, you know, I don't want anymore. Are the very things that God told him to do. I mean, all the offerings and the the, the gatherings and song. God had told them to do this and had affirmed it many times over. But because their heart, their focus, their attention was more about what does this do for me instead of what does this do for God? How does this lead me to God? How does this direct me to Him? Then God was correcting them because they were not God centered and others centered in their relationship with Him and in their gatherings before Him. He even goes on to say, "Well, you think the day of the Lord is going to be a good day. It's not going to be a good day. It's going to be a bad day. Part of the problem was, it was what we call the health and wealth gospel was prominent in Israel in Amos' day, it was a day of great peace and prosperity for Israel. And so they thought because they were healthy and wealthy, that meant that God was blessing them. And so then they could just continue to do what they wanted. And they were wrong. What sociologists tell us today that the the basic theology in, in America today is, and I've shared this a couple times, is moralistic therapeutic deism. Moralistic therapeutic deism. Don't worry, there's not a test. But what they mean by that is that when they survey people in the church and outside the church, this is sort of what comes uh, what. Is distilled. A deism means that God sort of got things started. You know, created the ball, started rolled it, and now just sits back and lets it roll, or lets it do its own thing. And uh, sitting on the front porch, sipping uh, lemonade—that's a deism, sort of a God that is not really connected to the world actively. What they mean, by moral, moralistic is that God, but he did give us some rules. Here are some rules to live by. So as the ball's going, you're on the ball, here's some rules to live by, that'll be good. That's sort of the moralistic view of God. And then the therapeutic understanding is that when things then go bad, when we're really in trouble, find ourselves in a foxhole, put ourselves in a foxhole, then we stand up and we say, God, help. And then God shows up and heals us in those troubled times and then goes back and sits on the front porch. That's sort of the notion of this moral theistic, um, moral therapeutic deism. Um, which is rampant, uh, sort of the civil religion of the day. And one that can have impact on us unduly. We can get our theology, our notion of God from the ways of the world instead of from the scriptures and moral therapeutic deism is a false religion. Not the religion of the scriptures. Now Israel was, as we've said, they were fulfilling their religious activities. Thinking that that was enough. You know, if they, we just fulfill the responsibilities that God has given us. Again, sort of the moralistic. Here are the, the rules to, to live by. And particularly here are the religious rules to live by that that they were doing that would have included their their gatherings of worship, would have included their, their whole worship system of bringing sacrifices before God. And the idea, as long as we do those things and we do them according to the rules, then that, in a sense, will satisfy God. Sort of like viewing God as a parking meter. You know, you just sort of got to feed Him. Just keep feeding him, and that will buy us enough time till the next time. You know, just sort of feed him, twist it, and we're done. Then we can go. We've done our religious stuff, and we can park it right there. Now, none of the things that God was saying were bad were in and of themselves bad. Again, they were exactly what God had called them to do. But they weren't fulfilling the purpose that God had for them, so it would have been better for them not to do them at all. They were simply checking them off a list, fulfilling their religious duties of the day. Sort of like going through the motions, right? Sort of like going through the motions, Michael. And they weren't changing the participants they weren't transforming them according to the character of god and that's what his desire is i mean it was so bad it was so bad as you, you read through this in israel's day it was so bad that god was saying to them you're making me blind you're making me deaf and sick to my stomach it's my translation but that's what it says He wasn't seeing it, wasn't hearing it, and what he smelled was not a pleasant odor. I was reminded, as looking at this, of Jesus' words to the Pharisees in Matthew 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, but have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the plate but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. An excellent word of consideration for the church today, for us today, a word of correction. Because what God wanted to happen, what He says at the end, this beautiful picture at the end, it says, what, what I want to come out of these is not to satisfy me in some silly way like you're feeding a parking meter. But I, what I want is these to bring you to me so that you are so changed and transformed that your very heart and soul looks more and more like mine. I want this, and so he, and Amos paints a beautiful picture of a waterfall. This is what I want. I want a waterfall where the waterfall is gushing over, is roaring over, and that's what justice and righteousness look like as they flow out of you. And if it doesn't cause that, then stop doing it and do what will cause you to be more and more like me. Ten years later, evidently Amos' words weren't received, and it was ten years later that indeed. Israel was taken into exile. The Assyrians came in, and destroyed them, and they were all kid, kidnapped and became slaves again in Assyria. You know, it is interesting uh, to me that you know, when folks find out uh, I'm a pastor, and, and when uh, or when I go, especially to pastors' conferences, you know, and you talk to one another, and um, usually, well, how's the church? How are things at the church going? And what that usually means, is, uh, talks about, as we've talked this before, talks about uh, bucks and bottoms. And that means, well, how's your budget? Which we'll talk about a little bit, which isn't that good, but we'll talk about that in a minute. And uh, talks about or what's uh, how many people are there. And I'm as guilty, this is a confession, I'm as guilty as the next. Nobody ever asks, and I never ask, what kind of justice is flowing out of your people these days? Yeah, nobody ever asked, you know, how, how, how's the spigot of righteousness turned on? See, it's not charity. It's not something where you just put money somewhere, you turn it on, then you turn it off. That's not what he's talking about here. It's not a religious responsibility. Just add that to the list. What he's saying is, I want a waterfall that flows all the time because these people are so caught up in me that it flows out of them. Righteousness and justice and mercy and grace. But I don't ask that question of other people. And they don't ask that of me because we're just as guilty as the rest of playing the game according to the rule, world's rules instead of God's rules. I don't like preaching Amos. I think I confess something every time we uh, get into this. I, I do pray and hope you do too. So if we as church, as, as a community of, of Jesus followers... If, If we have fallen into those same traps where we are fulfilling something else when we gather as our primary purpose, instead of being transformed by the very power of God, being corrected by God's Word, being filled by His Spirit to carry out His justice and mercy, then repent. Change. Let us fulfill the ways that God would have for us to fulfill for the reason that we gather. Because if we're not, then we're wasting our time. So so consider with me yourself a couple things here. One, what's, what's your reason for being here? What is your motive for participating in, in, in religious things? There's a lot of good secondary motives, you know, and just like Jesus told the to the uh, Pharisees, you know, you don't. Don't forget those secondary motives. There are a lot of good secondary things, but if first and foremost, if primarily it is not in order to be a people who are so sold out for God that He is alive within us and alive in us wherever we go and that that righteous injustice is turning further and further, the, the water's pouring out more and more of His righteous justice, then, then repent then change and make that your primary reason for being here. Second, I would encourage you to participate. You know, there are great ways that that we get to participate in in ministries of justice and righteousness. And as we've been looking through Amos, I mean, you read through it over and over again. And if you've been reading it all through, what justice and righteousness means is that you follow the ways of God, which means you care for those who are broken, who are weak, who are lost, who are voiceless, who are in trouble, who are in need. That's what justice and righteousness is. That's what Amos has been telling Israel all the time. You do all this religious stuff really well, but you are abusing the poor right in your midst. You're you're hoping for the Sabbath to be over so that you can get back to selling your goods, and you're not even doing that honestly. But participate. Participate. In the, the ways that we're seeking to be about justice, where we, we come alongside children and, and tutor them and, and care for them, whether it's with kids, tree house, whether it's in our, our own Sunday school programs. You, you know, that's a huge piece of justice, teaching a child to read. You know, we, we now have in our state for profit prisons. Prisons that that make a profit, not run by the state anymore. The state's now giving them over to some prisons. Now, that's a whole other issue that the more criminals they have, the more money they make. Eh, It just doesn't seem to me to be a wise move. doesn't seem to be just, but I'm not going to go down that path right now. But the way that these for-profit prisons, you know how they decide how many cell blocks they need in 10 to 15 years? The reading level of fourth graders today. Dr. Terrell Owens, who used to be the county coroner, now the president of Cincinnati State, has talked with folks in government and in prisons, and they said that's how they decide. Because if you can't read at fourth grade, and the statistics are you're going to be in a jail cell at some time. So teaching a fourth grader to read, that's an act of justice. That's letting justice roll down. We may not see it right there, but it is a huge act of justice. participate in in, in those ways, taking uh, um, uh, the mission trips that we take, that that care for those in need, participating in in Feast of Love, participating in the Interfaith Hospitality Network when we partner with other churches in the neighborhood to care for homeless families, give them a place to, to sleep and a place to eat and people who will simply talk with them and be their friend for a moment. That's an act of, of righteousness. Participating with Christ's community and the work that, uh, that they're doing. Or on and on. I mean, you, you know the, the many ways that we can participate in that that helps us step into that and grow and be a part of this overwhelming flood of God's righteousness and God's justice. We'll hear about one today with the pregnancy um, care of, of Cincinnati. Where an uh, organization, that ministry that comes alongside the women in crisis who are pregnant, comes alongside caring for them and, and, and giving voice to the, the voiceless child within their womb and, and giving care and concern to that mom. And sometimes the dad, most of the time, sad to say, the dad's long gone, but sometimes not. But a wonderful ministry that comes alongside in justice and righteousness to care for that child, for that family in that time of crisis. So, so consider just your own your own uh, life, your, your purpose. What is God's grand purpose for you to be here in a, a uh, community of Jesus followers? And if it's not to be transformed to be more and more like Jesus, then move it in that direction participate and then third advocate be an advocate for the the weak for the broken for the homeless for the poor for those that are in need keep your eyes open it's in the newspaper every week there will be something about opposition to homeless shelters it's amazing you got three things sort of going on right now in the community one is the anna louise inn and Louisiana's downtown. Been caring for single women and homeless women and, home and women in need for a hundred years plus. And now a, a large business downtown in the same neighborhood is taking them to court over uh, some different building matters and just sort of stringing it along for months and months and months hoping to bleed them dry so that they'll move on. City Gospel and the Drop-In Center are now at, at work with a whole entity in the city and the county helping to end homelessness. Trying to, to, to move folks from homelessness to owning their own homes. And they've, they've connected with one another and with other entities in the county hoping to m- multiply their space and uh, make it um, more usable for their purposes. And well, they're facing opposition as well going into court. And you'll see some of the same conversation around the housing authority and where uh, Section 8 housing is is placed in the county. It's interesting, 90% of the Section 8 housing in our county is in the city limits of Cincinnati. Only a third of the population of the county is in the city limits. So two-thirds is outside the city limits, but only 10% of the public housing is outside the city limits. That will be coming up over and over again in the newspaper. It's a real challenge in our age to not jump into the not-in-my-backyard pursuit of self-protection. When what we are doing together should be so drawing us to God that our heart and our soul are changed, transformed, and they're more and more like God's. So that His heart, for those that are in need, that are lost, that are broken, becomes our heart for the same. Encourage you this week to... Evaluate our gathering together in worship before God. Evaluate how we worship together, but evaluate it in this way. How did it so transform us so that justice and righteousness became more of our heart during the course of this week? Because that's its purpose. And unless we fulfill that purpose, then we're missing God's heart for us. Amen.